Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Creatokia podcast. My name is Videl, and I'm the global head of audio at Bookwire. This is a new podcast about digital publishing through the lens of NFTs, crypto, and blockchain, where every week we dive into this new and fast-moving world, looking at how authors and publishers can take their first steps in creating digital originals and NFTs. So uh, it's the new year, uh, 2022, and as ever, I'm joined today, first of all, by John and Jens, co-founders of Bookwire and the Creatokia platform. Hi, John. Hi, Jens. Hi, Videl. Hello. Nice to have you guys with us. And today I'm going to jump straight in also to introduce our guest, uh, who we're really excited to have. It's Chris Fink. And Chris is part of the Creatokia team and brings many, many expertise and different things, which I'm going to really, uh, Chris, I'd like to ask you a little bit about that, but um, broadly around, I mean, especially around UX and project management. But I know you've put, you've been working very much, you know, as part of the team. So Chris, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Nice to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great that you could be here. I think we're all, uh, interestingly, we're all in different, uh, well, we're all in different locations, but coming together for the podcast, which is great. So thank you for your time. Let's just go straight in. I mean, tell us about yourself and what have you been doing and where did you, I mean, how did you come to to work on Creatokia? And, and tell us a little bit about what you're doing in your area of expertise. Yeah. Okay. It's, it has been actually a very long journey for myself, and it it started back in the nineties. That's the past, last, I know, last last millennia, last century, millennia, <laughs> past millennia. As a as a front end developer, I worked for a while. Um, I actually moved to live in Japan in Tokyo for six years, where I moved from being a front end developer also more into usability areas and project management and yeah after after six years i came back to germany where i yeah where i'm more focused on project management and and usability user experience and then i got basically self-employed like 12 13 years ago as such project management and ux expert uh, back then it was called information architect and many other names and yeah and over the years i've been working for many agencies for for clients such as mercedes-benz or vorwerk or in germany dr oetker is, is also kind of known i think uh, in, uh, abroad i've been working for nissan mainly automotive branch but but also uh, a lot in in advertisement agencies doing campaigns and the past three years before Creatokia, I, I was um, working for Forwerk for their e-commerce shop uh, mainly. And yeah, so that is that is my expertise, uh, user experience in e-shops, but also brand experience uh, and then managing the whole team from A to Z. Yeah, that's what I do. I started in the beginning of a project and uh, I go when it's basically done and goes into the production mode, so to say. I mean, that's a, that's a broad overview. There's so much to dig into. I mean, I'm wondering where to go first. But in terms of Creatokia and what we're trying to do to really, I mean, in a way, I think we're trying to, well, we're trying to make things a lot easier for people who are not already the kind of core crypto uh, crowd because they, they get all the, and maybe they enjoy in a way the complexity of, of how things are. And that's always the way with new technology in the beginning. But we're, we're also trying to make the, the, the user experience a lot easier and more straightforward and streamless and frictionless and all of those things. So what are the, what are some of the things that we and you and everyone we've been focusing on in Creatokia especially? 
Yeah. So uh, actually, last year I was asked by a very good friend if he if if I know someone in UX, <laughs> and uh, I said, "Yeah, I know someone. It's me." And uh, you say, oh, "Well, don't you want to work uh, on a blockchain project?" And uh, I actually said, "Yeah, why not?" Because I I I per purchased by accident some bitcoins basically in 2014, got rid of them also, and so I'm in the whole uh, cryptocurrency a little bit. Uh, also, 2017 when the the next big bump came and then the next big bigger crash, etc. So yeah, why not? So and and that's actually when I looked deeper last year in February. February that was uh, deeper into the whole technology of blockchain and blockchains uh, and especially in NFTs and what I found out was that there are platforms and those are not to uh, put it down but they're kind of for nerds yeah they're, they're very technical they have a lot of data in there and well the 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 idea was to have a platform with Creatokia that can be used by everyone and platforms like OpenSea or Rarible they cannot really be used by everyone because they lack a lot of uh, yeah user centric behavior design and that's what we wanted to do different in Creatokia. So I, I, we basically brought in my experience in, in standard e-commerce and tried to combine it with the very new technology of, of blockchain yeah? and, and tried to make a normal shopping user experience and still get into this new world of, of blockchain. And um yeah, so from that perspective, we came and so basically saw, okay, what if uh, my parents would want to buy an NFT? What would they need to know? What would happen if they get onto the website? What do what information do they need and how easy does it need to be? And that's what we focused on, um, aside from the technical uh, implementation uh, of which systems to use, which web2 technologies to use but that was the main focus that we that we had basically how to make it easy to just go into a shop find a product click the buy button go to a checkout and that's it just as you do at amazon and do you think we're already there um yeah we were kind of there uh, i think there's always room for improvement i always say the ux expert is an expert if he says i don't know what the user wants i need to find out so it's always kind of best practices that you know versus okay what's the target audience and and what do they expect and then it's it's a little bit yeah try and error and and see where you go i think uh, we we had a good start in what we have and it can be optimized in certain ways especially the catalog maybe but from the the perspective of catalog checkout it's very simple to owning the digital original and we're on a good way there yes So, Chris, I think it would be really great to hear a little bit about your view and your explanation, really, just to help people understand a little bit. Because when we're talking about uh, products and uh, transactions that exist on blockchain and people who don't necessarily know about this and they maybe they're not even that's not even the main reason why they're doing it, because they actually just want to find a great piece of uh, digital art, which is, you know, is part of their self-expression. And that's the whole direction everything's traveling in. But behind the scenes and our job is to make that 
uh, discovery and then eventual ownership as kind of seamless as possible. Yeah, that really differentiates it from other platforms. Well, before we started recording, we were discussing a little bit about the challenges around that from a currency perspective. And, and how does that, can you tell us a little bit about how that has worked traditionally around NFTs and what, and what Creatokia is doing that's a little bit different? Yeah, that, that's also part of the entire um, purchasing experience that we thought from the beginning to include also fiat currencies such as euros or US dollars. How can we make that possible? Because it's, it's possible that uh, someone just wants to purchase a digital item, an original from an author and doesn't even need to have it on the blockchain. And um, there we said, okay, then you should be able to just buy it in, in, in euros or in, in US dollars or in a British pound. And so our system is different than, than in OpenSea, for example, where you can only purchase in blockchain in cryptocurrency, so that's Ether or um, Polygon or something. And as that we say, okay, you can buy the digital product in euro. And it will be on Creatokia in your account. You can purchase it with our payment provider Stripe through credit card. And therefore, it can be in any currency. And once you have purchased the product, you have all features of it available. So um, if there's unlockable content, as we call it, like like hidden invitations or a voucher to, to print a book on demand, then it's it's there for you. It's not on the blockchain yet. You can log into your account. You can download the ebook or you can download the audiobook. You can listen to it. You can read it. And you have these unlockables. But it's still not on the, the blockchain. And if you say, okay, I want to sell it, then you would have to bring it to the blockchain, but only then. And then you can mint. That's what it's called. You can mint it afterwards, after you purchase it. And that is not only a perk for third users who don't really want to be in the, the whole blockchain business, but also for blockchain nerds because they can purchase an item at any point in time, wait until the gas fees, the transaction cost goes down on the weekend and then mint it to the blockchain, which in some is actually cheaper than purchasing it directly in a cryptocurrency. That may be a little bit technical now, but for the NFT users that are listening, uh, they may be interested in that too. And once you have minted it to the blockchain, you can then sell our product in our own marketplace, or you can sell it uh, at OpenSea or Rarible, wherever you want to, because it's in your wallet, in your crypto wallet, and you can take it anywhere, and you can sell it anywhere. Um, on our marketplace, it's a little bit more designy and more fashionable maybe than on a standard marketplace, but you're open. It is, it's your item. You can sell it. That's, that's the whole point of this uh, NFT and, and Web3 business is you can own a digital good. It's yours to do whatever you like with. And well, if you purchase items on Creatokia, another uh, thing we have implemented is the uh, so-called My Own. It's not written as O W N, but O A N, and that is where you show what you got. It's it's your your showroom of items you purchased at Creatokia and only at Creatokia, and you currently have in your wallet, be it in a in a fiat in a euro purchased way or in a blockchain purchased way. 
And that is really setting us apart from others that you can purchase a digital original good in a non-cryptocurrency and keep it there as long as you like and just read the book and be done with it. I'm uh, trying to digest everything you're saying. It's fascinating. And maybe just on behalf of the some of the listeners who, like me, are still really catching up with this. So if you say that you're buying a, an NFT from Queer Tokyo and you're buying it in euros, you don't have to record that transaction on the blockchain. If that Did I understand that correctly? And does that not mean, I guess that doesn't mean that you are not the owner of it because it's verified, as you were explaining, in a different way. Exactly. It's it's not a 100% blockchain philosophy, of course, and it's not an NFT that you buy in euro. It is a digital original. We want to distinguish that. We say the digital original that you own is something, it's yours. It is digital, and it is still an original from the author that wrote it. It is yours. You have it in your account at Creatokia. And you have the right to at any time mint it to the blockchain to have it written down in blockchain security, so to say. But yeah, that's right. That uh, can be totally separated. Exactly. But you have the choice as the, as the owner to do that or not to do that. That's really interesting. Chris, if I, if I may jump jump in here, what does it mean to the user? For, for, at first, it looks like when you're buying an NFT, I mean, you just buy a digital original, you're buying an asset. And whether you mint it earlier or later, you have done just like a, an e-commerce transaction as, as you do on, on any other e-commerce platform. What is different with NFTs? So do they have a, like a life after this transaction? Yeah, Jens. Uh, so... Once you buy the product as an NFT, it's it's not the end of it. Um, you can always add things to the NFT later on. You can add properties. You can even add a new invitation to an NFT. So if you bought the product and it's regardless if it's on the blockchain or just still the Creatokia product, if an author decides to have a big um, seminar or a reading, then he can we can just add that invitation to the nfts of this author and that is that is something you can't do with standard products and uh, for example for our own collection of the the masterpiece collection if we would decide to um now as, as we're presenting authors uh, throughout the time great authors and their their works uh, to say okay we we add a profile picture that you can use in your social media to the nft we can just do that and Going one step further, we can even say, okay, this Thomas Morus that we have airdropped, for example, or uh, Daniel Defoe, we can create a, a small character that you can log into a metaverse and walk around with it there. That's the over the, the next next level. So we have these these decentralized metaverses. Everyone is talking about metaverse. So imagine you purchase, for example, a Harry Potter book. And you purchase the character Harry Potter as an NFT. And then we add a 3D character of Harry Potter that you own. And you can go into the metaverse of Facebook or the metaverse of Sandbox or Decentraland and walk around as that Harry Potter. And then you go as Harry Potter in Sandbox into the 
Versace store and you buy a fashion item that you put on Harry Potter. And then you go out of that metaverse and you go into a different land. And that is what the whole this whole movement is about, to to have a digital representation also of yourself as a character, maybe at some point, as in the real life you would have it in a digital digital way. And so the, the NFT itself is extendable if you want it if the creator wants it to be, if you want to add something to the NFT, you can always do that later on. And the owner is happy about it because he got some new feature. I mean, what's your personal take on this? Because I, I know you've, you haven't, if I'm right, you haven't owned NFTs before this project, right? Is, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Uh, but no, now you're owning a couple of them. And, <laughs> and I mean, this is really a whole new universe. And I think it, it relates to community building. It relates to storytelling. So it's, it's so much more than just an e-commerce purchase, you know. And would you, would you think that the majority of the consumers will go this way? Or would you think... And that's not bad. Just collect items and keep them in their wallet and be uh, happy with them, with these assets and trade them and resell them or keep them forever. So do you have an idea about, about that? Yeah, I, I think there's just different user groups. Yeah? We will we will have the, the generation, our generation and the, the, the generations that are a little bit older uh, that will just maybe purchase and enjoy the product itself. And, and that's about it. Uh, especially the younger generation starting at the age 16, they are online and they're in digital worlds, worlds already a lot more. It, it, starting with Minecraft, yeah, World of Warcraft, uh, there's so many online role-playing games, especially over the past two years, the young people are just getting into. So for them, it's completely normal to maybe purchase something in a digital realm. And is it really the feeling I own it? For us, it's difficult to grasp to own something digital. For younger people, very younger, so 14, 15, 16, 17, it will be in their blood. Like, like you know, the use of smartphones is not native to us. <laughs> it is native to my son, who is 16 years old. He, When he was born, there were smartphones. So, And we will grow into that world, where which will become more digital. You will have more possibilities in this virtual realm. And therefore, I think there's different user groups. There always will be traders who just buy and to gain profit. And yes, you're right. I did not own any NFTs before this project. I purchased some as a research to see how it all works. Otherwise, you can't really experience the whole thing. And initially, I just bought some. And then I started getting into these communities. And, and there are some that are really, really interesting. I mean, many have heard about the Bored Apes, uh, Yacht Club, and any any Bored Apes that are coming out of it who are yeah building an, an IP around these apes and trying to market that. And there's one project I'm, I'm specifically fond of, which is the Forgotten Runes, which is a weird community of 10,000 wizards and witches, individual, and that is a very special community because this is all about storytelling and it's about lore. And in this community, there is many people who are so creative. You see that on Twitter. You see that whatever they're creating, there's murals that, that are drawn onto walls in, in California and New York. So you, if you walk through there, you see this, this wizard and it's, it's pixel art 
Yeah, like like in the 1990s or even 1980s, where you had these pixel uh, uh, games back then from Sierra. Many people will remember, and that's something of a renaissance. But around that, the people in there are are creating works of art. They create pictures. They create their own stories, and which you can actually also write in the so-called book of lore onto the blockchain. And for this year, it's planned to have a TV show. They're already in, in, in talks with a big uh, um, uh, production studio for that. They will have their own metaverse gaming sequence. So a lot of things are coming out of that. And that is the whole community. And they're building something. And it's still very interesting. It's it's interesting for people who are interested in fantasy. So right now, they can get into a community worldwide and create their own character which I'm doing too. I have a witch and uh, I have a website for my witch. I have a Twitter account for my witch. And yeah, I'm just creating some some content and some lore. Uh, my witch, for example, on Twitter, she can only rhyme. <laughs> so I, I always need to kind of invent some rhymes. And, and yeah, so that is the whole thing that even at my age of 46, I'm I'm like, yeah, feel young again. It's, it's cool just to be part of such a, a community of people that you don't really know who is behind it because no one knows that behind my witch Tabitha is is me. They only know Tabitha, and I only know the the name of the Magus Vazir. Who is behind it? We don't know, but we write stories and create content. Now we know. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. Yeah, you can always, but still, I think that's the whole magic. And each community has its own magic. But as I just said, there there's people in those communities who write stories. And that is something also where Creatokia can come into. When people write those novels or short stories, what, which they are doing, they should have a marketplace, a specialized marketplace for books. And uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to get into contact with Forgotten Runes to offer this this possibility uh, that those who are who are creating books can also use the Creatokia platform to have. The, the right audience for that. Well, Chris, I was just, I mean, I've just been listening and um, I think to kind of summarize and um, again, thank you so much for your time. But I really think, I mean, just in these few short minutes that we've had with you, we started off from a very kind of technology based talking about blockchain. And I asked some kind of pretty naive, but I think, you know, questions trying to clarify our ownership and blockchain transactional stuff and, and UX, which is also where your, a lot of your expertise come from. But I think you've so elegantly brought it back to what is the magic, like you said, which is storytelling. And that's why we're doing all of this. Um, because probably in some way we all have this running through our blood and that is the true that's the true magic behind it. So, and you're right about thinking about uh, generationally, there is definitely a difference depending on whether you're digital native or not. And I think there is going to be completely like a natural behavior for anyone who's grown up with, with gaming or has ever bought a skin in, uh, in Fortnite or, or anything else. Or, you know, my son was gifted a skin the other day and he's 12. So he doesn't really see the difference between something that's real. I mean, he understands it intellectually, but he doesn't really care from a social context. That's a really cool and interesting thing that has value. And I asked him how much it cost, And he said, Oh, I don't know. Some of my friend just gave it to me. But I mean, he cares about it. So I think going back to this whole possibilities for storytelling, and that is what that's what drives all of us, I guess, behind well, all of you and us, I say, behind this 
project that we're doing with Creatokia. So you're nodding. I just want people to to hear you're not shaking your head in disagreement. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, to really say goodbye to you and uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed having you. Sure, everyone, I mean, as much as I have, it's been a total pleasure to have you. So again, thanks for your time, Chris. And good luck for the next phases and steps. So um, yeah. speak to you soon. Thank you for having me it, it was great to be and talk about uh, all this stuff once again and uh, yeah well see you next time and uh, and see you on korea tokyo thank you absolutely thanks chris bye-bye john we are now at the point of the the episode which i think uh, now we have a tradition because we have weekly drops in Queer Tokyo and we always want to tell our listeners what's coming next. So this week, and it's always on a Wednesday, uh, we have the next drop, which is part of our masterpiece, Eternal Masterpiece Collections. And this week it's the, the revolutionaries, kind of one of my favorite words. I guess it might be my favorite collection. Can you tell a little bit about it? What can people expect? What should they not miss out on this week? Yeah, can tell you um, more about this little drop where we have only three new drops on Wednesday. So it will be a limited drop, a small drop about a very big topic about revolution or at least people who made their mind up about revolutions or about things that are in their phase, in their time, uh, important in the, in the developing societies. But before I do this, I want to apologize because in the last episode, I that we will have a blockchain lawyer in this in this episode and this will be the next episode that's because of the year change we we, we somehow had to change uh, change the, the schedule of the podcast and i want to apologize on that so dear listeners the chain lawyer is is next week and this week was the fantastic chris uh guest of this of this podcast so it just came up to my mind so what great authors we have in bast this week, it's at first uh, Leo Tolstoy, full name Lev Nikolaevich Tolstoy, a famous Russian author of the 19th century. And he is a considered master of realistic fiction and one of the world's greatest novelists, um, especially known for his books War and Peace and Anna Karenina. And he's a um, almost a philosopher between skepticism and dogmatism. And I think people ask us why I should read these uh, authors of the past right now. I would like to say that it's a pretty appropriate stuff for 20-somethings to be read in our society. Because although he lived in Russia uh, over 100 years ago, Tolstoy and his char characters knew all about ambition, failure, stress, and striving for meaning and goodness. And um, it's it's definitely worth considering uh, this stuff. And it's not only a book, as you all know. Now it's it's an NFT. It's a it's a nice piece of art. It's it's a nice recording of a of a very impressing uh, part of the book. And in addition to the recording, there's of course the page uh, that we that we sell as a as a digital original. So we're starting with a pretty big one, Leo Tolstoy. Doesn't get much bigger than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's difficult to to. To be bigger, I, I, I try to be bigger, and it's Victor Hugo is, is the next one. Uh, well, who's Victor Hugo? Um, full name, Victor Marie Hugo, born in 18... 
1882 and died in 1885. The interesting thing about Victor Hugo is that he was not only an author, he was a politician too, and he was a senator and part of the parliament of the French Republic. And um, he's, he's somebody who wrote about effects of uh, ignorant poverty and uh, his most famous work that's what the nft is up to is ca called les miserables and i think he was by the june rebellion in 1832 in, in france on that are the themes that 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 drive this novel by by the french he's he's considered to one of the 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 real real big french authors they're only Uh, I would say around three of them with Marcel Proust and I forgot the third one, but that's, that's, that's a problem with me in, in France because I was not so good in French in school. J'ai oublié tout ma français après l'école and even that was wrong. So uh, I'm really sorry and I hope I can do something good now for, for releasing with, together with Creator Victor Go NFT. Great. So that made me think about, we, we discussed internally that The problem with the uh, Eternal Masterpiece collection is that, of course, we are, we, are, we are bringing up people of the Western Hemisphere and we are bringing up authors of a time, beside the, the grand dames of literature, that are mainly men. And most of the time, even people of the gentry, especially the grand dames, that, that uh, had to fight against a situation that there were women and it was not easy for them to, to be accepted as authors. We were not able to reflect that fact that we have enough women or people of color into the drops. And we are thinking about how we can correct the view. But of course, we have to see that we have now with the Eternal Masterpiece Collection, of course, a kind of lens on that whole topic that sees the past. So, of course, the best is yet to come and future and the, the time past these authors was much better. And again, to repeat, we are discussing in the team how we can bring up uh, people of color perspective. On, on real literary masterpieces of the past and a more a female perspective on that. And I just want to point out that because it was really a, a real discussion in the team. So Yeah, good to point out. Yeah, I hope it makes sense. But of course, the past is the past. I tend to live in the future. Yeah, and the last one, the biggest in terms of effect on, on the world is Karl Marx. The third NFT is uh, from Karl Marx. Almost every person knows him. He's the more seen figure besides his, his co-author uh, Engels. And he's a German philosopher during the 19th century. He worked primarily in the realm of political philosophy. And he's, well, maybe the advocate for communism. He co-wrote the Communist Manifesto and was the author of uh, Das Kapital, which uh, together formed the basis of Marxism. For sure, one of the big political movements that made history in the last 200 years. And he also lived in London for a while, right? And is, bur is buried not in London, not far from me, in fact. Yeah, in Highgate Cemetery right. in, in London. And he died in 1883. And he was born in 1818 in the German town called Trier, the oldest town of Germany founded by the Romans. So, yeah, I never visited his grave. Did you, Fidel? I have actually, yes. It's uh, it's a must-see, I would say. It's very beautiful. Special yeah. place. But I'm curious about what's the part of the NFT that we've chosen for the, for uh, for Karl Marx? Something from the manifesto or? Something from Das Kapital. Das Kapital. Yeah. 
Again, a picture, uh, a piece of art uh, symbolizing the whole theory of Das Kapital, and a, a picture of the author. I'm currently thinking about, because I own some of, I bought some of the Eternal Masterpieces, and I'm currently thinking about how I can uh, make them real, real piece of art as a, a uh, lighted uh, uh, picture that I can really put to the, into the place where I live. Well, I don't know how exactly, but I will do that and I will report about that, uh, how I, I, I made my Jules Verne NFT becoming part of, 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 of reality. Samsung just uh, made a press release that in the new Samsung screens or televisions, the next series, they, they will be able to scan the blockchain, like import your own NFTs on the screen. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's a clear proof that some things going on <laughs> it's coming right yeah yeah i think that the necessity to show your digital assets is getting bigger and bigger so i mean i'm sure that the tech companies will respond to that and bring up some themes or any like digital frames uh solutions to to show you your pictures yeah and maybe to come to an end with 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 karl marx is Uh, the question is, I, I ask myself, is Mars rich or poor? Uh, because it's an interesting question when you somehow invent communism. Um, what I can say is, in the early period in London, Marx committed himself exclusively to his studies so that his family endured extreme poverty. His main source of income was Friedrich Engels, whose own source was his wealthy industrialist father. So it's interesting. And uh, was uh, Karl Marx religious? Because it's said so often that Karl Marx, of course, was a serious atheist. But he didn't think that religion was mad or bad. It was out of his perspective, and that's the most famous quote, opium of people, but the heart in a heartless world too. And I find that interesting. Mm. And uh, I think I want to close that little speech about Karl Marx with that piece of thought. Great. Thank you, John. Yeah, I think, I mean, completely fascinating, all of those three authors. And I think ending with Karl Marx, well, I think if anyone is at all curious about why we live in the world we live in and what's happened in the last 150 years, I mean, you uh, need to know something about Karl Marx. So that's great. I think that's a really, really, really super interesting collection. So um, this will be, as we always say, the drop will be on Wednesday. And I think we, John, we just want to tell people, right, that we should, of course, I mean, great that our listeners are subscribing and listening to the podcast, but please also, you can always find information by uh, registering with the Creotokia newsletter and, of course, the website www.creotokia.com. So, as well as social media, right? So, Instagram, all the usual places. Yes, please join the Discord community of Creotokia. There you can, like, directly contact us too and be part of the whole development of Creatokia. And there's one new thing about Spotify. If you listen to us on Spotify, you give us a review on Spotify too. You can give us five stars. If you like the podcast, please give us a good review. So it helps the algorithm on these platforms uh, to find us better. And yeah, enjoy your week. Thanks. And thank you very much. Thanks everyone. Thanks Jens. Thanks again to Chris from earlier and uh, thank you everyone for listening. So look forward to uh, talking more again next week. Bye. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.